Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Cole bennett Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. We had so much fun with Stacey Villas, who is what we call a polymath because she both has an MA in child development from Teachers College at Columbia. And she has worked in print and digital publications around family and food. She was one of the original family food bloggers with One Hungry Mama. She worked at Every Day with Rachel Ray, Red Book, Cool Mom Picks Network, And you'll be able to see all of her personality and hear all of her totally practical, realistic advice to me and Cara on this episode. You'll learn some new things like about Cara's tiny, tiny ice cream bowls and also how I feel at the end of the day when I'm approaching dinner time with my family. Spoiler alert, not excited. So have a listen. We hope you enjoy as much as we had fun recording this episode. Hello, Stacy. Hi, ladies. <laughs> I'm very excited to be here with you both. So the reason that Stacy is laughing is because <laughs> besides the fact that Cara and I are totally hilarious, we were scheduled to record together last week, except I was sitting at lunch with my kids and got an email that said, Stacy has joined your Zoom. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, shit. 
And then I texted Cara and Cara was like, oh my God, I didn't have it in my calendar. And so I'm like frantically trying to get in touch with Stacy to be like, I'm so sorry, we completely messed up. And by the way, I'm not like a complete loser. So we're going to try. We're gonna, she she says that. I'm going to call you guys out. You know, she I mean, she says that. But I'm so happy to be here. You should see the tech do-overs we did this morning. We've really instilled <laughs> some serious IT confidence in Stacey. So welcome. Welcome, Stacey. We are Thank so you. happy to have you Thank here. Thank you. And I will say for the record that I'm a podcaster. It's been four years and I still have a tiny bit of anxiety every time Megan and I have a guest because of exactly this stuff. I get it. It's true. I'm like, don't get into a car accident on your way home to record because then no one can start the Zoom meeting. <laughs> it's that like the bottom line. runs through my head. I'm like, is this what life has come to? <laughs> yeah. So now that you have all witnessed the inside of our brains... We are going to mine Stacy's brilliance about teens, kids, and food. Everyone's favorite, simple, uncomplicated subject. Because I'm sure 80% of the people listening to this didn't already have an argument with their children about food in the last 24 hours. You know those social media memes that are like, I had no idea when I became a parent, it meant feeding these people for <laughs> 21 years. You exactly know what's funny about right. that meme? People always say, no one ever talks about. And I think that is one thing everyone talks about. That is That's one thing true. everyone talks about, which is why we're talking about it. Because you come from this world of food. You, you, know, you and your partner, Megan, were food editors at all of yeah. these incredible sites, right? Um, kitchen, you were doing recipes for parents and Red yeah. Book, RIP Parents Magazine, Rachel Ray, and you have like all these accolades yeah. in the food world. And then you turned around and got a master's in child development, which are seemingly two different things, right? Actually, the master's came first. <gasps> The master's, the master's came, came first. first. What came first? The master's or the food writing? <laughs> the master's. So I grew up in a restaurant family. My parents are Greek immigrants. And my dad, you know, had a diner and worked at restaurants and then eventually opened his own restaurant. And I actually went to college, wanted to go to culinary school. And my dad was like, oh, no, like, we're not going to continue this. Like, this yeah. is what I did to come to this country and to, you know, put some roots down and support my family. But like, there's so much more you can do. And I was like, well, I kind of am interested in this. But OK, I was also interested in children and in education, mm -hmm. got my master's in child development. But the through line was always food. Even my master's thesis project what was, was it about? about food and history and geography, like how oh, we can so use food as a way to teach kids about history and geography. So it was always very present for me. Yeah. And then I eventually, I, I won't bore everybody with the details, but slowly but surely had all these really interesting, weird twists and turns in my careers that brought me to this. Well, and this is a really interesting intersection of those things, right? You get to take your your child development brain and you get to take yeah. your food expertise brain, which sounds like it's that part of your brain is just a part of your soul, actually, based upon how you were raised, totally. right? And you bring it together in essentially what is a community for people to 
tell us like what do they do with each other because it's it's magic what i see when i go online which is by the way didn't i just feed you is the site that's the current project so it started as a little like side project that megan and i were doing i was writing my second cookbook she was still at kitchen and we we're like let's just do this little thing on the side and now it's become our full time work so it's primarily a podcast but we've built a community around it but when I was going back to child development and I worked at Sesame Workshop for a long time, so I used my degree to work in children and family-oriented media and always was interested in how I could use media to support families and kids and education. And I thought it was so interesting that at the time, I mean, this is like, you know, almost 20 years ago, people were talking about you know, putting a child development lens on the toys that our kids play with, on the shows that they watch. So, you know, those of us who have teenagers remember this, like all of a sudden, I remember Isaac is my oldest, he's almost 16. Right at that time that he was born, it was like, that's what everybody was talking about. Is this developmentally appropriate? And I thought it's so interesting to me that no one thinks about the relationship between developmental appropriateness and food. And I got really interested in picky eating in particular, because actually developmentally, it's totally appropriate. And it's also totally appropriate, much to my dismay, for teenagers to return to this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> A lot of teenagers get quote unquote picky again. I hate putting it that way because it sounds like I'm infantilizing them. But it's a common pattern that fits with developmental phases. And I just think that, you know, just like understanding what's developmentally appropriate, being helpful to us making decisions about what our kids watch when they're little, what video games they play as they grow up through the ages. I think having an awareness of that in terms of what they're eating and what phases they're in is just re a really helpful tool for parents. Stacy, can you say more about that? Because one of us on this recording might have a <laughs> child who who she berated the other day as that child finished a 24 hours where she consumed only pasta, bagels, potatoes. I mean, maybe there was some cream cheese in there, but essentially there was like not a vegetable. No color. No color. I mean, she throws like a hamburger patty in there fairly consistently, but I'm like, I looked at her and this is great parenting. And I was like, what are you, like four? Like what, yeah. what is yeah. happening here? Why are like, you need to expand your palate. Like this is embarrassing. We can't go to restaurants and have you ordered like the buttered yeah. noodles again. And yeah. she was like, I did have a pepper at dinner. I was like, mazel tov. I'm so proud of you. So <laughs> talk us through like, what is it about this age that sort of has them revert to that kind of eating again? Yeah. So I just want to be clear that I'm not a nutritionist. No, 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 no. I mean, developmentally, like developmentally, what do you notice? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're not, we're not, because clearly I'm not a nutritionist either because the way I handled that conversation was you. like spectacularly I've terrible. So many conversations with Isaac about this stuff. So, and Isaac was a great eater when he was young, but I think it's a lot of, there is a lot of mirroring in developmental psychology where, you know, what's happening at four kind of mirrors, what's happening at 12, you know, I might have the ages a little bit off, but their mirroring is something that we learn about as kids move through the ages. It's control. It's the world widening up and wanting to be able to master something for yourself and have control over something for yourself, there's a lot of new input for teenagers. There's a lot of 
also just biologically, there's a ton of growth and they just need calories. And the way that teenagers today live, it isn't always easy for them to get the calories they need during the day. Mm. And I actually learned this from a nutritionist that then they like calorie load towards the end of the day. Right. Because they're eating breakfast on the go. They have to get to school. It's really early. A lot of them are too sleepy and not that hungry. Then lunch is at a particular time. Like who knows if they're hungry at that moment, but that's when you have to eat lunch. Who knows what you have access to? Probably depends where you live, if you're eating at school or not, if you like the options that are available to you. Some kids I know will pack their lunches, but you know, how many teenagers have time for that? I know mine certainly doesn't. And then after school, a lot of kids are in, you know, the play or in sports or they're just scheduled. So food just has to happen when it happens. And then at the end of the day, when you're you know, they may not feel ravenous, but their body is definitely needing all those extra calories that they may not have gotten during the day. And when you want calories, when your body just needs calories, it's really easy just to carb load Mm -hmm. and just to get those very satisfying, we call them cheap calories, but they're actually also satisfying calories. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that. Can I jump in there? I am no nutritionist myself, but I've talked to a lot of them and I feel like what they would say, if there's a nutritionist listening, we'd love to hear what you would say. But I feel like what the nutritionist I've spoken with would say is that they are very much cheap calories because they provide a quick, ready source of glucose. Those carbs are just essentially sugar sources. And, you know, when we think of what a carb is, it's we think of either candy bar or pasta, basically, right? So straight up sugar or a different form of sugar, but it's your your body being able to take quick action, which makes sense in the context of what you're describing. And I would take it a step further and say that as you described the schedule through the day, there is a reason why the desire for quick carbs Mm -hmm. crops up through the day, right? So classic late tween and certainly teen sleep habits. We have sleeping until the last second that they can before they have to go to school, waking with really, most of them, a very small appetite. Some have morning appetites, but many don't. So it's hard to get something in them when they walk out the door. By the time lunch comes around, they're beyond ravenous. So what do they do? And sometimes it's break. Like my kids, their school has a one hour break at about 10 or 10, 15 in the morning because Mm. they've recognized how hungry the kids are. Because what do they do when they are so ravenous? They need to grab the, no pun intended, the low hanging fruit, which is pasta and something straight up sugary. It's not the fruit and veggie and sort of wholesome diet that we want. Then they go off on those afternoon activities and same, same, right? They're beyond hunger and they need a quick burst of glucose. And what do they grab? They grab that thing. The other thing is that the easy grab and go foods tend to be exactly what you've described. And Vanessa, what you described, you know, it's like a bowl of pasta, super easy and super fast. A bar is super easy and super fast. A nice leafy salad is not super easy and not super fast. So there are really good reasons why they land exactly where you both have described that they land. So Stacy, if we know that, and now I'm going to be nicer to my daughter and not shame her for her entirely white daily mail. <laughs> um, 
as we think about dinner and like, I have to tell you by the time dinner rolls around in my house, I'm like, I don't give a shit what you eat. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care. I just want to be left alone. I'm going to sit here with you and I'm theoretically mentally present, but all I can think about yeah. is like lying down on the couch and scrolling through Instagram. So like when we think about what we can offer up, particularly teens, tweens and teens who are growing, who are stressed, who are dealing with like uh, hormonal ups and downs, social ups and downs, academic worries, all of that stuff. What does a meal look like? If you're like, I need my greatest hits for an adolescent who's not, I have one kid who will order like the grilled octopus and the bone marrow at the Ooh. restaurant. Yeah, Love that's that my one. youngest. Um, <laughs> but so like, what is Whose it? palate has not regressed yet. Whose palate has yet <laughs> to regress. But you know what we keep doing? We keep validating mm-hmm. that he's the most adventuresome eater in the family. And so when I'm I like, stayed with you, you did that. <laughs> he and I ordered the same thing. And you were like, oh, look at that matching meals. Who's yeah. so adventurous. So I'm hoping he won't <laughs> regress. So Stacey, what does it look like if I'm like depressedly approaching dinner in my house? Like, what am I thinking about? Okay. Can I take a step back? I promise I'm going to answer your question. Yeah. Take a step back and judge me for being a terrible parent also. No, because I do the same thing. I want to just like mindset. Okay. Yes. Like, you know, think about our mindset because we just acknowledge that what they're craving and what's available to them, like it all makes sense that they eat this way. For me, coming from a developmental psychologist point of view, and also a food person point of view, not a nutritionist, but we'll get to that. Really, my goal is to help my teenager develop a healthy relationship with food. Mm -hmm. So that has, in a lot of ways, less to do with what they actually take in, unless, of course, there's a medical problem, there's a behavioral issue, like that stuff, you need to go to your pediatrician, you need to see a nutritionist, that exists, that's very real. So I'm just talking about if that's not an issue then it's really less about what they're taking in, in my opinion. And it's much more about making sure that they're not judging foods as good as bad, making sure that they feel free around food, making sure that they're not, you know, being punitive to themselves around what they eat. Like Mm. I've eaten all this food and now this is bad and I shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. And that's discussed in the context of weight, but I think that it goes way beyond that. I think we as parents tend to be very clear, me too, me too. This is all like hard learned lessons about the foods that we think are good and bad. We're very clear about it. And that has consequences. So, you know, you're exhausted. It's the end of the day. I think that getting into this mindset where you're like, I'm not going to make issues around food. We're going to have food freedom. I've laid the best groundwork that I knew how to lay (laughs) as they were growing up. And now they're teenagers and they have a lot of autonomy. I'm going to make what I can that's healthy available to them. And then they need to make their choices and they need to, you know, sometimes make a connection for them. Like you don't feel great. Well, you may, I don't know, like, what'd you eat today? And not say anything, but let them kind of go through it and see if they make a connection. Well, I really only ate crap today. I got to push back a little though and throw myself under the bus at the same time. I like it. Because I am the person... Vanessa will be like, oh, not surprisingly, who like I'm the worst at the market. 
because I don't buy anything fun. Because I figure mm. if almost everything we have in the house is a good choice, then they can have anything they want and they can be completely independent and great, all great options. My kids have started to rebel. They are very clear with me that our pantry sucks. <laughs> our refrigerator is the worst. No one wants to come to your house <laughs> like, with shitty snacks. Right. Like, I mean, even, that's true. That's right. No. Yes. They are right. They are right. It is not the best strategy. And so, in the office with patients, what I used to say was, keep enough of the fun stuff that it's available and kids can have it and it's not totally out of reach. And I I do that, but what's fun to me and what's fun to my kids might be a little bit different. And yeah. so I'm only pushing back in so far as if you go too far and you only make healthy things available, you will have rebels. And my mom did the same thing. I swore I wouldn't, right? I swore I would not replicate it. But I have three brothers and two of them, I swear, spent a decade only eating fast food because they went so far in the other direction. And so it does sometimes come back to bite us. No, That's how my mom was. My mom was very extreme. Literally natural peanut butter. If we were craving chocolate, it was carob. Oh, so, oh, me too. Totally. My mom too, which turns out to be like deadly. It's yeah. it was really bad. And at McDonald's, it was filet of fish. That was the healthy option. Okay. Oh my God. Right? As which, if, as filet if. Of fish, filet of fish has the highest cholesterol concentration of any fast food item ever in history. Okay. Just oh so you know, gosh, it was not no the idea. healthy choice. The only, like, sometimes the only sweet thing in our disgusting. house, we're either semi-sweet chocolate chips that my <laughs> brother and I used to melt down using the automatic hot. And then we would like lick it or <laughs> wait for it. Thick. Wait, you're going to die. Candied lavender that's used for Ew. garnish on baking. <laughs> and we were so desperate for sugar that we ate candied lavender. I mean, it's pathetic. We were like scavengers. I just want to jump in and tell you, I'm not that bad, right? So we do, we're an ice cream family. We have tons of ice cream always, but here's something that we do that I actually would like your feedback on, Stacey, because I think this has been a good solution. I let go of Vanessa's die. I, she's like, she's on mute. She's laughing so hard. Okay. So we have tons of ice cream, but she knows what I'm going to say. We have these mini bowls, like they're so little. And that way you just, you can have ice cream every day, but the idea is just limit yourself. But they're so absurdly small that people, I mean, everyone in my they're family- They're like ice cream bowls. shots. They're like ice cream yeah. shots. So cars at my house and we were having ice cream and I pulled out like our bowls and she was like, what is going on? Your bowls are so enormous. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're just cereal bowls. She goes, no, we have special ice cream cups. And I'm like, okay, well, you're psychotic. So no one else. Hilarious. <laughs> However, I'm going to pitch the concept, which is it is very hard to teach moderation in serving sizes in this country. Serving sizes are absurd. And it has put kids and adults alike into a terrible quandary because they can make choices to have 
one treat or one thing that they know isn't so good for them. And it's really six servings of it. So I do think there's something really nice about normalizing smaller portions and knowing like there's no stigma. You can go back five times and my husband does, right? And guess like five So he bowls. has five servings. He has five mini five bowls, ice which cream makes him shots. feel a lot better than a big Vanessa bowl. Yeah. That's hilarious. If you listen to enough of our episodes, you'll hear us preach the importance of air, particularly down there. Airing out body parts reduces sweatiness, stinkiness, and skin irritation. And it feels amazing to air it all out after a long day in tight, sweaty clothes. Which is why we created the Oom Short. Super soft, lightweight, with wide legs and a low crotch. All help air flow. Designed for all genders in all sizes, literally down to kids extra small and up to men's extra large. Everyone who wears them tells us they've never been so comfy. Get your shorts at myoomla.com. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is Factors Ready to Eat Meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our Factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, magnesium breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, magnesium breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, 
B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at bioptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal. And even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. I just don't want to forget to actually get to dinner because we're fixated on Cara's ice cream shots. There's no one right way to approach this. Like, you know, didn't I just feed you is really the reason why Megan and I felt so strongly about starting the podcast outside of what we were doing professionally for big publications and all the great people we worked for was because we really felt like nobody was addressing feeding a family non-judgmentally. And that's what this is about. Like, I think it's great and funny that all three of us more or less agree, but handle things totally differently and make different mistakes. It really is this interplay between our parenting style, what works for us and what works for our kids. You know, tiny bowls with my kids. (laughs) My 16-year-old is six feet. My husband's six, four. And Oliver, the little one, is almost five, nine. And he just turned 13. So I'm like surrounded by these ginormous, male children who, if I gave them tiny bowls, would literally just laugh in my face. <laughs> you know, But I think tiny bowls would work really well for me personally. <laughs> so, you know, there's no one right way to approach it, but really going back to the mindset and let's talk about dinner and getting practical is really about trying to challenge ourselves to not be judgmental about food and to be in conversation with our kids about it too. Because the truth is they're on social media and It's not just the diet stuff. It's not like it's everywhere. Food, body, the relationship between the two. It's very real for them. I know it seems like there's so much more body positivity than when the three of us were young and teenagers. But let me tell you, make no mistake, young kids are still very much living in a world that they feel is like fat phobic and it's attached to food yeah, and it can be pretty heavy. So I just want us to like be mindful of that and, you know, help our kids find their way the best way we know how, because we're the best experts on our kids. Like we know what they need, but we have to feed them. Right. So going back to like, at the end of the day, we know they're probably grabbing and going, they're getting some of those cheap calories. They're really hungry. I think starting with your teenager is really, really important when they're little, 
you know, a lot of pickiness when there isn't some other kind of issue is really about that control again, right? So we're serving them and they're like toddlers or they're four-year-olds and like, mm, like they start to want to like make the call about their food. It's one easy way where they can control things. Same thing with teenagers and they really can control things. So let them, like, what do they like? You can think about how you want to nutritionally boost it. If they love pasta, soba noodles, you know, whole wheat pasta, pasta that's fortified with protein, you know, pasta primavera. Like there's a lot of ways to keep it simple, but get creative and boost their foods. Does anyone actually like pasta primavera? No, it's because it's do. usually like the rock. Of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, when I see but pasta primavera. I don't primavera, like of fish. Let's yeah, well, okay, I actually like filet of fish, but it makes sense because it's the most calorie dense of all of the McDonald's <laughs> food. Right, so your point is like, Go with them and then give them options within yes. that reality. Pasta Primavera, we're thinking of that 1980s soggy broccoli peas version, right? Yeah. The last night, what I made for my kids is uh, it's a New York Times recipe. It's like cauliflower pasta with breadcrumbs. Allison Roman, do a search, you'll find it. It's easy. It's the quickest, easiest one pot pasta. And the sauce is almost melted cauliflower. You mm. use a whole head of cauliflower and toss it. So that's a kind of pasta primavera, you know. And one of my kids says he doesn't like cauliflower, but likes this pasta. So, you know, it's in heavy rotation. I get really bored of it. It does have heavy cream. Not always my favorite, but that's what makes it delicious for the kids. And like, we just kind of work it out. I always want to be the person who makes those New York Times recipes <laughs> and I like sit like this weekend I open it up and they had the pie the Thanksgiving oh, that was pie oh, yeah. spread that and I was like cool. this is amazing. like porn this is so yeah. titillating and exciting and I'm like and I'm never gonna make a single one of these pies ever but I'm gonna like sit here and drool over this newspaper spread <laughs> okay but that. wait I want to take what you were just saying Stacy, about sort of who will eat what mm-hmm. and the honoring the palate of kids. Yeah. And I want to flip it into a conversation around when should kids take ownership for themselves? When should they be in the kitchen doing the cooking at the grocery store, doing the shopping? Like what are the steps that work to get a kid to participate? Because we can laugh about my tiny bowls and we will many times more. But really the whole goal of the tiny bowl was to draw attention to how much you're serving yourself and then to make an active decision. Oh, okay, I want more or I want less. No different from I want to be on social media for longer. And that Mm -hmm. is one reason some kids will set their own parental controls and they'll time themselves out and then they can override them. And it's a strategy a lot of them use. I'd like to apply that strategy to food, right? So help us understand how to get kids into the kitchen and into the grocery store. And, when and I think perfect. this is great because I do think that, you know, a lot of advice, and didn't I just feed you where we can talk about the food and the practicalities of it for an hour every single week, we can get into detail. But here, I just want to say that I, I want to recognize that not every parent likes to cook feels like they know how to cook, enjoys it, feels like they have energy, depends on their, you know, their schedule. So, you know, Vanessa, I get it. 
that you're like, I'll never make those recipes. That pasta to me is a really easy, quick week. You know, that's one of my quick ones. For you, you might look at it and be like, that's too much. So part of how to mitigate that is to empower kids to help you. They can help prep, they can help cook. And you can also put some tools and some ingredients in the kitchen so that they can just like feed themselves. Like it's valid when you have teenagers to be like, you're on your own tonight. Right. Scrambled eggs, pasta, you know, air fryer. The air fryer changed everything in my house because my younger son really loves to cook. We went out to dinner the other night and he wanted to stay home. He wasn't feeling great. So me, my husband and my older one went out to dinner. And when I came home, I was like, oh, like I'd had a glass of wine. I was like, now I still have to think about dinner for Oliver. And we got home. He's like, nah, I grabbed a burrito out of the freezer and just popped it in the air fryer. And like, that's who he is. Let's talk about air fryers because my kids, I will say the silver lining of the pandemic was that my kids became very Mm -hmm. involved in the kitchen in both food prep and cleanup in a wonderful way. Not to pat myself on the back, but I'm going to pat myself on the back. And my youngest is doing stuff at 12 that his older siblings didn't do until like well into high school. So he turned to me the other day and was like, mom, we really should get an air fryer. And in my head, I'm like, I don't need another goddamn appliance in this kitchen. But Stacy, talk to us about air fryers. Well, it just empowers them. You know, I think it's easy to say, you know, developmentally speaking, you can start teaching a kid to cook when they're four. Like, that's when you can mix. That's when you can measure. It won't be precise, but it's, you know, they can help pick vegetables. They can go to the market with you. They probably need to in most cases. Have them pick things out. Have them smell, whatever. So, you know, I actually think, didn't I just feed you? We might have, or maybe I wrote it for another publication. I'll send you guys a link if I can find it. You can share it with your audience if you want. I've written many times over developmentally what kids can do at different ages in the kitchen. You know, they can start using the knife. I would say safely really depends on their fine motor skills. So there's some variation in this, but I would say an eight-year-old who's interested, engaged, careful, and has good fine motor skills, yeah, give them a chef's knife. There are kids' versions or give them a small one, an eight-inch, depends on how big they are, how large their hand is. So you can teach along the way. If you haven't taught them along the way and they're already 16, they have to start at the beginning. Like just because they're 16, it's easy to get frustrated and be like, make yourself dinner. But cooking is I don't know what I don't know what you're talking about. I've never gotten frustrated <laughs> with my useless children okay. in the kitchen. I have to I have to add though tiny ice kids. cream bowls. <laughs> tiny I'm gonna rewrite the song Tiny Dancer. I feel like you tiny need balls. t-shirts that say tiny ice cream bowls. And then mine are like huge <laughs> ice cream bowls. <laughs> okay, that's so funny. Um, I, I want to add the safety element because yeah, there's the developmental sure. piece and there's the safety piece, right? So air fryers in particular are a very good example of, I think, probably a safer yes. mechanism to cook because they are simply a small convection oven, right? Yes. So just so people know what they are, they're your oven on the convection setting, which means the heat, tell me if I got this right, Stacy. the heat circulates oh. around they cook at high temperature. They don't fry, so to speak. That's like the win of the name is they fry with air, right? They, um, you don't have to, they crisp, but it's because there's hot air blowing around, but it's blowing around in a very small, Vanessa's like, look at me. But how is that different than a toaster oven? No, no, UTI wouldn't be, I wouldn't be skeptical or confused (laughs) at all. 
How is that different than a toaster Convection, oven? Convection, the heat, tell me, Stacey, is this right? The heat is circulating. It's being basically blown around in a circle and it cooks very differently, but it is essentially the same concept as a toaster oven. It's a small, safer device. So you've got a 12-year-old who's home alone for a couple of hours who wants to cook for themselves. To me, the pediatrician it feels a lot safer to have them cook in an air fryer or a toaster oven than on an open flame stove or with the oven running. Okay. But what you get, the outcome is actually not that different. So I really like the suggestion of having, if it's within your economic ability, having an appliance that a kid can use and can use safely is an amazing, amazing thing. Totally. It's completely empowering. And then you can kind of meet them where they are because there's so much you can do in an air fryer where you can just buy some frozen foods. I know frozen foods have a bad rap, but actually there are tons of brands now that make all natural frozen foods that retain their nutritional benefits, which is really important. Yeah. We do something called a freezer dinner where I have no food in the house and I just (laughs) go into the freezer and I'm like, okay, We're having little mini pizza bagels and little mini egg rolls and little mozzarella sticks. And the only thing that doesn't make it out in the freezer dinner is the frozen broccoli. Somehow it's all the stuff that doesn't have any nutritional value, which is why my kids... Oh, tater tots. We also make tater tots. Stacey, do you have favorite freezer stuff that you keep in your freezer? Yeah. I mean, it's mostly stuff that my kids like. My 16-year-old does not like to cook. Literally last night. My husband told me as he came upstairs that I made that pasta. I made one pound. I probably need to make two pounds now for the guys. And both my older son and my husband were both hungry. So at like 9.30, they went back downstairs <laughs> to go eat more. And he heard Isaac mumble to himself, like he went to go grab ramen. He was like, eh, I don't feel like cleaning up. Put it back and grabbed a box of Ritz crackers and then like proceeded to demolish the Ritz crackers. That's how much this kid doesn't want to cook. He'd rather like go hungry or eat something else than cook. And very instructive word in there, clean. So I have, I have a kid who is phenomenal at doing the dishes with us. He's really like gets up and it's amazing. Except what I now realize is he thinks it's his job and it is as part of the meal is he's on dishes because we do prep and he's on dishes. Great. So every snack he chooses, he chooses a dishless snack. Oh, 100%. doesn't want to do one more dish. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's a big deal. They're tired. They are understandably tired, just like us. They are outputting all day, plus social stuff, plus, you know, it's exhausting. If cooking is exhausting for us, it's exhausting for them too. And they're kind of used to us taking care of it. It's kind of like they think it's our job. So, you know, if they don't get enjoyment out of it, But I will tell you, as a food person and as someone who has interviewed so many food professionals, chefs, cookbook authors, it starts like that. Like not every kid's going to like to cook, but it starts by putting a taquito in the air fryer. It starts by making a grilled cheese and then one day being like, this grilled cheese is boring. Mm, Let me put this sauce or this condiment that they have, this curry paste that my mom has and put it on. And you're like, oh, that's not good. Okay, let me try something else. (laughs) That's the beginning of cooking. Megan is a baker, my co-host, professional. She went to culinary school for baking. Her love of baking started with boxed cake mixes. Mm -hmm. That may not be something you want to have in your house, 
But that's cooking. Like that's where it starts. And if you start early and you have a kid who's really into it and receptive and can do it safely, like you were saying, like they might start at eight, but some kids don't start until 16. Some kids don't start until they get off to college. But I think that starting them closer to 15, 16 is great because you're there to help kind of get them on a path before they leave the house. And it's helpful to us too. Yeah. How about having them do the grocery shopping, especially once that they are mobile and stuff like that? (laughs) Yeah, that is spicy. I don't know. I can't imagine. So I have to admit that I live in New York City. And so we rely on a lot of grocery delivery. So there isn't much. I do have them go out and get stuff. For us, it's more like meal planning because I'm a meal planner. It just helps me. I don't want to have to think at six o'clock about what's for dinner. I just want to know what I'm making. And if I don't feel like making that, I'll make what I was going to make another day. But like, I just want those ingredients. I want it done. So I ask each of them, my husband, my kids, like, give me a meal that you want this week. And I add it. And so that's sort of their contribution in addition to the little one will help me cook too. But the older one, the freezer, the air fryer, really big. Feel Good Foods is really great. They make, they made something with like poppers, sausage poppers or something, but they were cauliflower wrapped. It was like, because I think Feel Good Foods might be all gluten-free. I'm not sure. But I was like, oh, I wonder if he'll notice. So I like the first time I bought them, I made them and I was like, here you go. Do you like them? <laughs> what do you think? He was like, yes. And I was like, they're cauliflower wraps. And then he spit them like, out all weird. over the table. He was like, okay, are you trying to catch me? Like, I just want to eat what I like to eat. Gotcha. Just making sure. <laughs> okay, so that brings up holidays. The opposite oh of cauliflower wrapped would be yes. <laughs> what's happening in the next month. How, can you walk us through a little of that and helping families manage all of this in the context of Vanessa? I just really want, want to say something. I just want to set a scenario. I'm going to give you Go. a scenario to respond to, Stacey. <laughs> An adult has planned a beautiful meal, has done <laughs> the shopping from eight different markets and gotten special deliveries (laughs) and has like gotten the turkey from like the special place that feeds it. Like, I don't know, you know, like cauliflower (laughs) poppers and, you know, like everything that crystal is out and the silver and like someone has poured their heart into this endeavor and the family sits down and the kids aren't, eating or they're complaining. And the person who spent all this time and energy preparing the food feels devastated and hurt and upset. How do we prevent that outcome? So I think that a lot of times people would look at the kids and talk about like, why did the kids do that? Or how do we get the kids to not do that and respond that way? I actually think I would talk to the cook and be like, if this wasn't fun for you and you were doing it for them, like why? Like it doesn't Mm. match up. Like kids aren't, they don't care. They want to be with family. They want friends. Like, you know, your kids, some kids are really like healthy eaters and like maybe they're happy for that squash Gruyere casserole. I don't know. (laughs) I can tell you that mine are not, mine don't like turkey. No. 
Half my kids don't like turkey. Uh -uh. No, mine don't even like mashed potatoes, which is like bizarre. So I've really taken to adjusting my holiday menus to fit what I like cooking. One thing that I want to eat that feels like it's worth the effort. And then kind of thinking about like what they'll eat. And I've pared back a lot. I think that the pandemic was really helpful to a lot of home cooks where we got really tired and we really were like, let's focus. Like when we don't have 15 people coming over and we're trying to have our house spotless and make the perfect meal, it's just me and my partner and our kids. Like what happens? What does it look like? And it looked different for a lot of us. And I really hope that we take that into, you know, the holidays moving forward as things open up and we feel more free to get together with tons of people. Like if it's not going to bring you joy to pull out the crystal and cook a turkey in five different sides, then don't because the kids don't care. That's right. What's on your holiday? Is it personal to ask or can I no, ask you what's on my I'm, holiday I'm menu? I'm still tweaking it. So my husband's father is elderly and a cancer survivor. So he still feels pretty vulnerable. So it's okay. just him and his wife. And then my nuclear family, because we're trying to limit his exposure. Okay. So none of the other grandparents or anything like that. So he loves squash gruyere casserole. Oh, <laughs> so it but is making it on I'm going to do, I am going to do that. Okay. I, you know, bought a turkey, like, because we have a house out of the city and it's like from the local farm and I have a relationship with the people there and like, I did it for me. So we're having turkey and the kids are definitely screw the rest it. of them. <laughs> They're definitely not going to eat it. And okay. I'm mentally prepared for that. I've already started thinking about how I'll use the turkey afterwards because I know I'm going to have a ton of leftovers and yep. like my kids love chicken pot pie. So I'm thinking I'm not going to kill myself on too many sides because really the main event for the family is going to be the leftovers being turned into chicken pot pie. So I'm making extra pie dough so that I can make chicken pot pie afterwards, but you can use puff pastry. It's already made for you and in the freezer section. No judgment. Take a shortcut. No judgment. That's all. That's all I got so far. Like there'll probably be a green and a salad, but my kids like dessert, like you know, there's, I make a sweet potato pie every year. My kids like tradition. And I think a lot of kids crave tradition. Mm-hmm. So, you know, every Christmas I make cinnamon rolls and every Hanukkah I make latkes. So, cause we celebrate both holidays. So like, those are always kind of what I always rely on. And then what I make beyond those single dishes that are traditions that make my kids feel great is really just like icing on the cake. And it depends on my energy. So I like that element because I think we forget that kids also like ritual and tradition. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily like the ritual and tradition that we like, but they like ritual and tradition in their own version. And so asking them what they would like to have back, like my kids... (laughs) They always want me to make the sweet potato with marshmallows on top. Yeah. Even though all they eat are the marshmallows off the top of the sweet potato, I still have to make the sweet potato with marshmallows. And the other thing that we do is my mom sucks at dessert. She's like terrible. She's like a block on dessert. So we started a tradition of going to some friends for dessert who are really good at dessert. So we solved that that problem by horning in on someone else's dessert buffet because we suck at dessert. But I think remembering that kids have their own sense of tradition 
and respecting that and engaging them in it without, you know, assuming that their tradition is our tradition or they don't care at all. Yeah. And then really like working on that and what will make you happy and kind of getting rid of the rest is noise. I just feel like so much of our positive memories around food aren't about like we nourished ourselves great before that game and we had great performance. I mean, if you have a like high performance athlete in your family, of course, that's important. But really the memories, the good aspects of our relationship with food go back to these great memories and traditions and fun times. It's not like arguing over bagels, which I'm not pointing the finger. I do it all the time. I just had an argument with Isaac about his food. (laughs) So that's really, it wasn't that like, thank goodness I got my kid to like kale before they went off to college. No, it's about the tiny bowls. Yeah, it's about, (laughs) it's always about the tiny bowls. bowls. It kind of is. It's about being able to laugh. Yeah, that's right. Not that nutrition doesn't matter, but like, I think for the holidays, it's especially important to keep that in focus. Stacy, I want you to come back every single week <laughs> and just make me feel not judged and make help me not judge my kids. It's so reassuring. You are so awesome. I'm like thinking all about the ways, okay, I'm also going to order an air fryer. I'll ask you offline <laughs> yes. what brand yes. that you like. My 100%. 12, maybe I'll get it for my 12-year-old for Hanukkah. I'm going to be like... Happy Hanukkah, you get to cook for yourself now. I gave my 13-year-old a little waffle maker once because he was really into making pancakes and waffles. And I was like, here, done. One more thing I don't have to do. You are the best. Thank you for coming on. We can't wait to share all your wisdom with all of our listeners. And we'll put some links into some of the pieces that you've written with some guidance. That would be awesome. And maybe to an air fryer. And maybe to the place where <laughs> yes. Cara gets her tiny, <laughs> tiny ice cream bowls. You know what? It's going to turn would, out they're the like egg cups. Now. I bet they're egg cups. I bet they're poached egg cups. I'm down like egg cups. They're much oh smaller. God. They're emoji cups. No, just kidding. They're much smaller. <laughs> they're thimbles. Cara's egg ice cream bowls are thimbles. All right, Stacy. To be content. Now you know our deep, dark, tr- pathological <laughs> secrets. <laughs> come back anyways it. it just makes me feel closer <laughs> thank you Stacy. thanks Stacy. thank you thanks so much for listening you can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts or check out our instagram at the puberty podcast if you have questions or stories to share email us at the puberty podcast at gmail.com And for more puberty info, check out myoomla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? 
Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.